Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio, it's time for the GNFCC 400 Insider. Connect, build, and grow with the Greater North Fulton Chamber of Commerce. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our June webinar series on economic recovery in North Fulton. I'm Callie Boatwright, the President and CEO at the Greater North Fulton Chamber of Commerce, and I'm very excited to be with you this morning. The Greater North Fulton Chamber, as always, is very happy to partner with Roswell, Inc. for our webinar series. Um, We have several of these coming up uh, in conjunction, obviously, with Roswell, Inc. and some other things we've got going on in the month of June. Uh, we do have next Thursday a uh, economic recovery webinar on um, sales and marketing. We're fondly calling, is it safe to go back in the water? So we will be focusing on sales, marketing, and promotion next Thursday, June 25th at 9 a.m. Um, in addition to that, you will find our Wellstar monthly luncheon series this month on June 30th will be virtual as well. We will be celebrating with our leadership North Fulton graduates and focused on a uh, great motivational speaker on change, um, changing leadership under change. And so that is going to be very exciting and hope you will join us for that on June 30th at 11. And then finally, just wanted to let everybody know that the Greater North Fulton Chamber will be opening back up to the public. While we've been back since May 4th, we will be opening up to the public on July 7th. So we hope to see you after that time. I do want to invite um, the Roswell, Inc. uh, president, excuse me, chair, president and CEO. Um, Steve, do you want to say a few words? Absolutely, Callie. Thank you. And a welcome from uh, live from downtown Roswell. I'm Steve Stroud, Executive Director. Thank you for the partnership, Callie. Thank you for the uh, the great opportunity to spread the word about how to get back into business in this these economic times. Uh, the positive thing that I will share is business is starting back. Yes, we need to be cautious. We need to watch uh, the the numbers, but at the end of the day, we're we've got a strong economy in North Fulton. And we need to all support each other and and be sure and support the local businesses here. So, Callie, thanks again for having us as a partner. We always enjoy our partnership with the Greater North Fulton Chamber, our chamber here in Roswell, Georgia. So thank you. And we look forward to hearing from these experts on staffing. Thank you, Steve. And we enjoy working with you and your team as well. We have a, a lot of great content to bring to you today, and so as we as we do so, I just want to remind you of a couple of instructions. Uh, first, everyone was muted upon entry, so please keep that microphone on mute so that we can avoid any background noise. Also, if you have a question for the panelists, just use the Q&A feature that you'll find um, at the bottom of your screen, and we will address the questions at the end of the presentation. And of course, we'll get to as many uh, as we have time allowing. So now let's get straight to the introduction of our sponsors, as well as our moderator. First, I want to thank our media sponsor, John Ray and North Fulton Business Radio X. This webinar recording will be available um, following the presentation today, and we will send an email with that link, and we will also feature it in our weekly emails, um, our Chamber Leak e-newsletter, as well as on the website. Our forum sponsor today is Jackson Healthcare. Governor Brian Kemp recently announced that the state contracted with Alfreda-based Jackson Healthcare to undertake the critical mission of filling staffing needs of healthcare providers through battling the spread of COVID-19. 
Uh, Jackson Healthcare deployed roughly 570 healthcare professionals across Georgia as part of the surge staffing program to bring hundreds of additional critical care doctors and nurses to Georgia <laughs> to meet the anticipated shortage of those healthcare workers. Good morning, Matthew, and thank you for sponsoring today's forum. Would you like to say a few words on behalf of Jackson Healthcare? Sure. Thank you, Kelly. Good morning to you as well. Good morning to everyone. Uh, we're just excited to, to be here. Happy to hear um, how other organizations, you know, took on things during this pandemic and excited to share with you guys some of the things we did here at Jackson Healthcare as well. Thank you, Matthew. I really appreciate it. And thank you for being a great community partner. We enjoy working with Jackson Healthcare. Um, and we look forward to hearing more from you shortly. At this time, I do want to introduce our moderator for today's forum, Felton Anderson. Felton is the Testing Services Program Manager for the Southern Company Talent Acquisition Organization. In this position, Felton is responsible for managing Southern Company's pre-employment testing strategy programs and then processes across the system. Her previous position in human resources was labor relations coordinator for Georgia Power Company, where she provided strategic consulting and proven solutions to the senior leadership teams of the company, as well as the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 84, concerning labor and employment issues, and played an integral role in uh, negotiations between those parties. Um, Felton is an alumna of Leadership North Fulton. Uh, she was in my class last year, so I'm glad to see her so engaged with us. Um, Felton is proud to be serving also as to this year's program co-chair for the Leadership North Fulton program here at GNFCC. Um, and I am sincerely honored to have you with us today, Felton. Thank you for joining us today, and I will turn it over to you to moderate today's panel. Thank you, Callie. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate the opportunity to moderate this important panel of human resources professionals. We will explore re-engaging and re-entry into the workplace. So much has changed in the past three months, and we are thankful to these panelists for sharing their expert advice today. It is my honor to introduce this panel. Jenny Taylor, Goodwill of North Georgia, Dr. Matthew Harrison, Jackson Healthcare, and Jay Litton, Rosal UMC Job Networking. We are grateful to hear from Jenny Taylor with Goodwill of North Georgia. Jenny is sought after is a sought after public speaker on topics of successful large scale public private partnerships, employer engagement, workforce development, and employment outcomes for people with significant barriers. She's vice president of career services at the second largest Goodwill in the nation leading evidence-based programs with outcomes in the top 10% of the industry as measured by the National Benchmarking Project. Jenny, thank you for joining us today. Goodwill of North Georgia has served 51,000 job seekers and connected 25,000 people with jobs in the last fiscal year. Our members are looking forward to re-engaging their employees into the workplace. Can you give us some advice on adjusting and incorporating workforce given what we have learned over the last three months? Absolutely. Thank you, Felton. And thank you, everyone who's joining us today, including our sponsors and panelists. Um, Stacey, I'm, I am disabled from sharing my screen. I just had a couple of slides to show, um, but I'll jump right in if uh, you can get that undisabled as we go um, so that I could uh, choose those talking points. But as many of you are probably aware, uh, Goodwill of North Georgia is one of the oldest social enterprises in the United States, uh, in America. But we actually have, here in, in North Georgia have three lines of business. 
One of the first that you may not be aware of is that we have the facilities maintenance contracts for organizations like the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So our essential workers, more than 200 people with significant disabilities, we're the ones taking care of all of the samples coming through the warehouse, cleaning and sanitizing that location as they expanded to um, handle the pandemic response. And so that's one of the things that, that many people are not aware of. We're also, our second line of business is my area, which is uh, our career services department. Uh, as Felton mentioned, that is um, a little over 50,000 people in North Georgia, Metro Atlanta, suburban rural, and right here in greater North Fulton. Uh, and we're helping people to get credentials and connected to work um, all across the spectrum from very, very significant barriers to very highly employable folks with college degrees and years of experience and everything in between. And then all of you are probably aware of our third line of business, which is our donated goods retail stores. Uh, we have um, more than 3,400 employees uh, throughout uh, our service territory, and those folks are all um, in entry-level jobs primarily for the stores. Oh, thank you so much. Now I can share my screen. Um, so I'll just jump through those uh, last couple um, slides. Uh, so essential workers during pandemic, lots of people going to work, 100,000 over the last five years. You all know the stores. Um, but this is where I was leaving off is um, those jobs that we create uh, through all of the generous donations of folks um, create jobs for 3,400 people. And so we have had quite a bit to manage during this pandemic, as many of you have. Um, as we work through our priorities, the good news was we had an emergency response plan with pandemic called out that we had developed years ago as part of many different kinds of things that an organization might need to prepare for. So we were able to pull that off of the shelf um, and just update and review it for the current circumstances. Now, Obviously, everything changed on a regular basis, and constant communication amongst our teams was important because we were maintaining mission continuity uh, throughout. While we did close some of our stores, we did, or all of our stores at one point, uh, and did close some of our attended donation centers during that time, and then have had to manage um, those uh, benefits. But because our mission was to put people to work, we felt it very important. We've been very strong financial stewards of, of all of those uh, donations that people give us, we did not have to lay off a single person of those 3,400. Um, we did have to reduce some hours across the board for those folks, but we've continued to pay people with benefits all throughout um, and then process partial unemployment for eight hours uh, for some folks. So the messaging to both our staff and the public was one of the most critical factors during that period of time. So many of you probably were at home cleaning out your closets, organizing because you had time to do that. And we're looking at everything. Mm -hmm. And that resulted in a massive flood of generosity to our organization and many others. Um, but we needed to be able to handle that very, very safely. And so we changed our processes for the public. We changed our processes for our staff and managed the anxiety of that for both parties was part of the training that we needed to provide along with the protective equipment and changes in our sanitizing protocols. At the same time, we had to shift to virtual services as so many people did. Um, we are really working to expand those services to make sure we have the virtual job fairs in place. Um, we were able to switch uh, to and have so, since the last week of the pandemic, March, or when it started March 24th for us is when we closed our career centers. Um, we've served more than 5,800 people 
uh, through the, the end of last month to help get, connect them to those of you who may still be looking for staff um, and we're really had a critical hiring need in some industries during this period of time. Uh, these were some of the protocols that we put in place for opening our retail stores because we opened on May 5th um, as, a, as a, a graduated opening through May 11th to get those open. Um, they're, they're um, as you've seen in some other retails, we've used a lot of those same best practices, including the somewhat controversial um, masks for everyone, um, including our guests coming in. Um, but these are the things that why we're here today is some of the things that, that we learned that, that as you're considering your reopening and coming back in, we did a debrief of what do we learn during the pandemic from an HR perspective and a career services perspective that we wanted to keep in place as we move forward with opening. And one of the things that we needed to do, all salaried staff continued to work to keep essential operations open while 95% of our staff was at home. And that business continuity crew had to fill in all over in e-commerce, in our virtual career services, at our donor doors in some cases, and in some of the back office functions. And they found that to be an extraordinarily positive experience. One, those departments really were gratified to have the help. And two, the people filling in learned a tremendous amount of what they thought they knew, um, but it really turned out to be some, something valuable. As you all know, uh, we were joking before coming on, uh, you can't say that the traffic was your barrier to being late um, <laughs> because now you have a heck of a lot more time. Um, but really thinking about what it takes for staff to be able to deliver services virtually and online became something that we immediately had to assess, train, and um, adapt to, and, and really are thinking about some positions where we may keep some virtual things, um, but we ha are going to have to skill up our staff on how to um, operate in that environment, particularly our instructors and trainers, uh, to be able to be very effective in these short snippets of time on video. And then finally, what you all may be experiencing out in the world, uh, we did to some extent, not, not very far, but um, what we're seeing in our career centers and where we're helping people with job training and employment to get them connected is the pandemic unemployment assistance is a um, better financial situation for most workers who are making less than $15 an hour. And so those organizations who still have the demand for that are really having a hard time recruiting from that population to come back to work. Uh, because they are earning more with the pandemic unemployment. Um, and so there's some short-term decisions being made for folks um, rather than returning to work uh, where it needed to be done. Um, and then my last um, just advice was um, that our marketing department and our communications team uh, did more internal and external messaging and coordination. Our executive staff spoke every single morning uh, for the duration as we evolved our operations and we, and we began dealing with the issues um, and the plan for return to work, that um, the communication to those, those all those various stakeholder groups was very important and planful to make sure that we were successful um, in limiting exposure and providing continuing our service delivery. And thank you. That's my, my last note. So I will stop sharing at this point. Thank you, Felton. Thank you, Jenny. We support Goodwill's mission to put people to work. We celebrate that Goodwill is back and open for business. There's a backlog of donations at our house coming your way. It is my pleasure to introduce Matthew Harrison, 
with Jackson Healthcare. Dr. Harrison currently works at Jackson Healthcare as Vice President Human Resources. In this role, he is responsible for planning, directing, and overseeing all human resources and administrative service functions for various Jackson Healthcare companies and leads delivery in the areas of talent management, acquisition, learning and development, employee relations, performance management, organizational development, change management, job and compensation analysis, HR metrics and reporting, and diversity and inclusion. Previously, Dr. Harrison served in leadership roles at Mannheim, McKesson, The Weather Channel, and Comcast, focusing on talent management, acquisition, learning and development, organizational effectiveness, diversity and inclusion, and HR business partner work. Dr. Harrison, we are so grateful to have you with us today. Jackson Healthcare is the fourth largest healthcare staffing company and the 21st overall staffing company in the U.S. Our members are either bringing employees back to work or making plans to do so. Could you give us some practical advice on employee reentry and considerations that need to be made as we bring former, current, and new employees into the workplace? Absolutely. Thank you, Felton. So yes, I'm, we're very excited to be with you all today. Um, I'm actually stepping in for my boss, Robin Smith, who's our head of HR for Jackson Healthcare. She had a family emergency, um, but certainly wanted to share with you guys some of the things that we did to prepare and navigate during and some of the things that we're doing, returning back to the workplace um, in response to COVID-19. So first, to kind of give you guys a little bit of facts about Jackson Healthcare, um, we are one of the largest privately held healthcare staffing search and technology companies in the United States. Um, we have 16 companies um, that are under the Jackson Healthcare umbrella. Uh, those 16 companies comprise about 1,500 associates across the enterprise. Um, mm-hmm. 1,500 associates and 16 companies, we impact over 7 million patients and over 1,300 healthcare facilities across the country each year. Um, and we are headquartered here in Alpharetta, Georgia. Um, so some of the things that we did, you know, in response to um, COVID or really kind of to prepare for it when it first kind of kicked off is we really wanted to make sure that we keep issues top of mind in every decision that we made. And so it immediately really started with making work, work from home a viable option for our associates. And so that included having to deploy um, iPads and laptops to a lot of our associates who typically only had their desktop that they used here in the office. So we had to make sure that they had the equipment necessary to continue with business as usual. Um, We did close our physical offices in mid-March, as well as a lot of our amenities. Have an amazing campus here in Alpharetta if you haven't um, visited us before, but we have like an on-site gym, two on-site restaurants. So all those were closed in mid-March. We did, however, we do have a clinic on site as well. We did actually leave that open. And our thinking behind that was because we knew a lot of our associates might be less inclined to continue with their uh, doctor's visits and needed healthcare at regular hospitals. And so we wanted them to be able to have access to some type of clinic should the need arise. And knowing that our clinic is only open and available for our associates and their families, we wanted to keep that service um, available and benefit available to our associates. Um, we promoted the CDC symptom checker as well as you know telehealth and virtual medicine. So really encouraging our associates to keep in mind what symptoms were related to COVID to make sure that they were keeping themselves as well as their families safe. Um, and we also have on site a child care center called Allegro. Um, we did close that, but what we actually did was deploy a number of our teachers that work for Allegro to do in-home child care to a number of our associates. And so um, as was mentioned earlier, 
um, in the session, we you know deployed hundreds of nurses and physicians to some of the hardest hit areas in the country, like Albany and New York. And so we had a lot of our staff members who were really working around the clock. And with that being the case, we knew that childcare potentially was going to be an issue. And so that's where a lot of our teachers who normally teach in our childcare center, they actually went into those associates' home and provided childcare for them. So some of the things that we've done to navigate during the pandemic itself is, again, keeping in mind that we do have some of our staff that is working 24-7, you know, Albany, New York, the Georgia World Congress Center. Um, We really want to make sure that we are kind of reintroducing and really enhancing the utilization of both Microsoft Teams and Zoom. So it was really making sure that we were keeping up with business as usual as much as possible. Now, with Microsoft Teams and Zoom, it meant that we got a snapshot into a lot of people's, you know, closets and utility rooms because, I mean, a lot of people, you know, with having to be home with their spouse or partner who was also having to be home. So being able to find that quiet space to have that webinar with um, team members sometimes meant having to be in a a closet or utility room. But the main thing was making sure that we kind of, you know, kept business as usual and made sure that we use things like Teams and Zooms. Um, We also made sure that we had that flexibility there. So, you know, work-life family balance has always been, you know, kind of a, a, a word that we use in the human resource space regularly. But I think that really came even more important during this time. And especially for those individuals who had kids, for many of them, March and April, they really became part-time teachers for their elementary, middle, and high school students. And so it was really important for us to be mindful of the fact that for a number of our associates, it was equally important for them to be able to do their work as a Jackson Healthcare associate, but to also parent and ultimately serve as a part-time teacher for a lot of their kids. Um, we also introduced um, a PTO buyback and roll forward program for our associates. You know, with a lot of, um, of our associates, spring breaks were canceled, early summer plans were canceled. And so we knew a lot of our associates weren't going to take those PTO times that they had initially thought or intended. And so what we offered to a number of them was the ability to actually buy, um, be paid out for a week of PTO that they likely would not take in 2020 or roll over an additional week of PTO beyond what our typical um, benefits plans um, allow. And so that was something that was, I, I think, a lot of our associates valued and appreciated. Um, one of the things that I think that was really key that we did while navigating during the pandemic was really making sure that we communicated often and regularly to our associates from our executives. And so we have an internal communication forum called Workplaces, kind of like Facebook um, for organizations. And that's really where we posted almost daily information as it related to COVID, related to office openings. Um, our CEO and president posted um, live um, webcasts where people could come in and ask questions. And so that was something that we wanted to be sure that all of our associates were well aware of all the things that we were doing as an organization. Um, and this last bullet here, I think, was something that was really nice that we did because, you know, our organization is filled with people who do a myriad of different things. So a number of our associates weren't necessarily directly involved in the deployment of those nurses and physicians. And so we didn't want them to feel like they weren't, you know, as impactful because at the end of the day, everyone who is an associate for Jackson Healthcare plays a role in the work that we do. And so what we did is we had caps, uh, sweatshirts, and long sleeve t-shirts where an associate could pick from one of the three that said Jackson Healthcare COVID-19 response team mailed out to each associate so that they could feel, you know, part of the team and know that ultimately we're all in this together and serving the, you know, a greater purpose. So some of the things that we've done to kind of handle returning back into work is that we've really used more of a phased reentry process for returning back to the campus, opening back up 
our on-site gym, as well as our, our restaurants. I'll go a little bit more in depth on the next slide, kind of on how we approach that. But one of the things that we did is we sent out a survey to all of our associates just to get kind of insight into how people were feeling about everything that was going on, their comfortability around returning back to work. We saw is that people were kind of on both ends of the spectrum. There were some people who were, you know, rearing up and really excited about getting back into the office because they were having to take those video conference calls in the closet, where there were others who, you know, were a little bit anxious and apprehensive about, you know, returning back to work. So we wanted to make sure that we did a re-entry process that would make people as comfortable as needed or necessary. And so we have ensured that we have social distancing measures in place here in the office. So all of our workstations, luckily, were already already distanced out six feet apart. So we didn't have any issues there. So um, also along that same vein, we have really high partitions between all of our um, workstation cubicles. So anyone who works in a cubicle and not in an office should still feel pretty safe because they are six feet apart and they do have pretty high partitions. And um, we've also put in place um, four person capacity for all of our elevator banks. And so um, it, when you walk into the elevator, there are stickers that provide guidance on where you should stand. That again, leads to that uh, necessary social, social distancing. Um, we have sanitation and extra precautions that are in place in terms of regular cleanings. Um, we have a deep cleanings that are done nightly um, across the entire um, campus. We have hand sanitizer and disinfectant stations across the campus. Um, we have temperature check stations, um, and then as well as masks that are provided to associates should they want those. Um, we are in the process of reopening our child care center. It actually opened um, this past Monday. Um, so for the children that have returned there, we have additional cleaning and food services and obviously health and safety protocols, both for the students as well as the teachers. So some specific logistics and protocols that we've put in place over these last three months is um, when, when we were looking at that kind of return back to work thing, we wanted to make sure that we were providing accommodations for those associates where it was necessary. So for any folks that were in the, those higher risk categories, either because of their age or uh, potentially pre-existing conditions where COVID is potentially more harmful for them. We wanted to be aware of that and, and fully make it not at all required for them to return back to the office. Similarly, for any people who still had childcare issues with a number of summer camps and all that being canceled, we again wanted to make them not feel pressured to have to return to the office if childcare was gonna be a problem. For any of our associates who had done any travel, um, we wanted them to stay quarantined for necessary days because they may have potentially been exposed. So that was something we wanted to also be mindful of, kind of leading down there to exposure or illness. So any of them who felt they maybe were exposed to anyone who had COVID, again, making sure that they had the necessary time to, to quarantine. Um, in terms of the kind of that phased reentry back to our campus, what we actually started with was back in mid-May, we opened the campus back up and it was a fully voluntary where people could come back if they wanted to. And again, this was in response to a number of our associates saying that, you know, if possible, they would love to return back to the office because working from home really wasn't an easy thing for them to do. And so when we did that back in mid-May, I would say we probably had about 10, 15 percent of our associates return back to the office. But again, it was fully op uh, voluntary, not at all required. We moved to 30 percent occupancy this past Monday. So over the, this week and next week, we're asking associates to work three days between the two weeks. Um, and then we will move to 50% occupancy beginning on June 29th. And that right now we're kind of looking at as being indefinite. We're not sure how long we're going to stay at that 50% occupancy. And again, our intent with this phase reentry is to make it as comfortable as possible for folks, again, regardless of where they are on that spectrum of being comfortable with returning to work. Because we knew that if we had a fully full campus, for those folks who did have kind of that extra apprehension about returning, that certainly wouldn't help it. And so we have seen that, you know, with folks coming back into the office, 
and the office only being about a third full, people tend to not necessarily have that same level of angst and anxiety. So that has worked well. Um, we also have attestation forms that associates fill out, as well as visitors and contractors, you know, attesting that they haven't had any exposure um, to COVID. Um, and then we do also do temperature checks at our front gate for any visitors that are coming on site, ensuring that they don't have that um, excessive fever that is associated with COVID-19. So again, these are some of the logistics and protocols that we've had over the last three months um, and was happy to share with you guys some of the things that we did before, during, and how we're kind of re-entering. And we'll be happy to answer questions that you guys have on the end. Um, again, I'm filling in for, for Robin Smith. She certainly has been more heavily involved in this than I have. So if there are questions that aren't answered during this session, that you may have about how we've handled our re-entry here at Jackson Healthcare, certainly feel free to reach out to Robin at rsmith at jacksonhealthcare.com. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Dr. Harrison. Clearly, Jackson Healthcare has earned its multiple awards as one of the Atlanta Best Chronicles, Best Place to Work, Business Chronicles, Best Place to Work. Now, Jay Litton with Roswell United Methodist Church Job Networking needs no introduction to GNFCC. However, I am deeply honored to introduce somebody who has transformed lives over the span of two decades. Jay has over 35 years of sales and sales management experience, working with both startup and multi-billion dollar companies, primarily in the software IT industry. He is currently with Sumo Logic, a cloud software service out of Redwood City, California. Jay began his leadership 23 years ago at Roswell United Methodist Church Job Networking, nine years after founding the ministry. Since this time, RUMC Job Networking has grown to become one of the largest ministries of its kind. Hundreds of people are typically on site, and now job seekers attend every second and fourth Mondays through the 11-hour online workshops and one-on-one -on -one sessions. RUMC Job Networking has been showcased by ABC's World News Tonight by Diane Sawyer, The Economist, Atlanta Journal-Constitution, WSB-TV, The Wall Street Journal, and many other media sources. Jay, thank you for joining us today. Our members are concerned about sourcing talent as they're opening with their former, current, and new team members. RUMC Job Networking exists to teach job seekers how to begin and sustain job searches. What is your advice on how members as job providers can connect with job seekers? Thank you for the introduction. Thanks for the greater... North Fulton Chamber of Commerce, and thanks for Roswell, Inc., and for all the panelists and for this topic. So, you know, the situation has dramatically changed. And as an organization at Roswell United Methodist Church, where we've been leading this job networking ministry for over 30-some years, I've just been involved for the 23 of that, um, we're all about providing hope and inspiration, but more also practical advice, um, not only when we didn't have a pandemic, but as we currently do today. Um, I'd like to go ahead and see if I can't share my screen, and we'll try that. Let's see here. So, you know, I, I thought I thought what I would do is focus on the fact that what we really try to emphasize is meeting, meeting face-to-face, -face, um, providing comfort, as well as instruction and resources and job leads, and trying to connect employers and job seekers together. And so our, our theme is kind of this is job networking is about where employers and job seekers meet in person. So we've had to make some drastic changes. So the first meeting that we normally had in April, we moved completely online. A lot of our volunteers are uh, that are on site helping, whether it be serve food for dinner or do many other functions for logistically, 
um, are of an age. They, many of them are retired. And, uh, you know, we're cautious for them as well as we are for the folks that we're serving. But, you know, to answer your question about if I'm an employer, where would I find talent today? I would go where employers and job seekers get together. I mean, for example, uh, the Greater North Fulton Chamber and also the Foresight Chamber, Chamber have put come together and they've got a series of job fairs that they're doing. I believe the first one's starting this Friday on the construction industry. So they've gone vertical on, on different job fairs that you can go through. Um, in the case of North Point Church, they have a ministry called C3G, and they're into small groups, and they're into big groups on site as well, but obviously that's been curtailed. But I would recommend folks trying to get connected to job seekers to participate in either the job fairs that I mentioned or participate with C3G.org and try to find some talent there. Um, as far as Rousey United Methodist Church goes, let me just go ahead and go to more of a presentation mode. These are the folks over the past year that have been partnered with us to find the talent that they need to fill their positions. And I think you see a wide range of, of folks there. And what's kind of cool about this is, you know, we could, for example, rider, rider trucks, if you contacted them, um, we partner with our our employers. We just don't say, well, here's some job seekers for you to interview and we never hear from them again. And that's, that's really encouraging. It's fun also to see some of the job seekers that they hire actually come back at some of the on-site job fairs we've done. And they're now in a leadership position and they're hiring folks uh, for their company. So we want to keep this thing going. So during this virus situation, we've had to go all out and learn what it's like to be virtual and do our workshops virtual. We haven't figured out how to do dinner virtually yet, but I'm sure we'll figure that out at some point. But the whole point is we'd like to partner with the folks that are listening to this call. If you've got um, some hiring needs, you know, we'd like to be a part of that. And then I, I thought what I would do is put together, I just put together one slide with um, what a typical meeting might look like in a virtual setting. So you need to know if you're an employer that people want to be a part of our UMC job networking because of like this is the agenda that we have for this coming Monday. So it's an 11 hour event starts at 10 o'clock in the morning talking about your job search. We go to a LinkedIn um, workshop on the intermediate. We have advanced beginning intermediate. Um, and then we really try to at noon, try to inspire folks. And so we have Rusty Gordon, who's a local I, I, entrepreneur, and he's he's talking about the gracious uncertainty. So it's very much a spiritual theme. Resume workshop, LinkedIn, and I'll tell you what I really like is Emory University is sponsoring, helping the job seeker find the hot jobs instead of the cold ones, and really focusing them on the industries that are hiring today. And if you want this information, you know I encourage for you to get online at three o'clock on Monday and, and hear that. And then we, we have a couple more workshops, ended up with a keynote speaker, and then we do one-on-one -on -one resume review. But the whole point here is we want to be attracting job seekers. So when employers come to us, we have a pool of active, high-quality folks that take their job search seriously and are not just looking for an offer. They're willing to do the work to be successful in their job search. And that's typically the kind of uh, candidates that employers want to hire. So I, I, decided, I decided to put on just one slide some of the thoughts that I had where you could be successful in finding talent. 
Uh, number one, go where talent goes. As I mentioned, go to the job fairs that are available. Get involved with C3G. Get involved with RUMC Job Networking. We're here attracting talent on behalf of the volu- uh, behalf of the employer so that you can find your, your candidate of choice. You know, we typically get uh, 200, 225, 250 job seekers at each of our on-site meetings. And then we also have about 90 volunteers that are on-site helping us as well. Now that we've gone virtual, I have fewer volunteers, but the talent of my volunteers have had to increase because of handling Zoom virtual meetings where you're learning about how to work with various things and not do I do. I mean, most of my volunteers know to unmute themselves when they're supposed to be on. <laughs> Outside of that, um, we've, we've really done, I just think, a fantastic job of the technical skills of our folks being elevated so we can be successful with this. But notice the attendance is not going down. Our, we're getting three to 400 people registering. And our reach now is such that really doesn't matter if you're in Georgia or not. We're also, for the employer, we're posting your current job openings on our group's IO email email listing. So what that means is our job seekers are subscribing to get daily emails from us. And we take the job leads that we're given and we post them on behalf of the employer to groups IO. You know, I had to start that from scratch in February after having been with another provider since 1999. And just since February, we've had over a thousand folks that are part of groups IO. So these are current active candidates that we can reach out to. We also have an opt-in list of over 10,000 job seekers that we can get your job postings out as well. And then LinkedIn is a great way for people to get connected. I think we all know about LinkedIn, but we've got over 5,000 folks that want to be associated with our LinkedIn group. This is a unique opportunity, though, if I'm an employer. The candidate base, as I list here on number six, is extremely strong. The layoffs that have happened are coming from high-quality employers like NCR, Macy's, SunTrust, Delta. I, mean, I personally know a number of folks that have been with these companies for 12, 15 years, and they're now going through outplacement help. And these are top-tier folks that you wouldn't have been able to get hardly any other way. And some of these candidates are willing to consider non-big major corporate jobs now. The confidence that they had in the stability of those jobs has really wavered. And now you have an opportunity if you're a small or mid-sized business to go after that talent because they're not turning you down from an observation standpoint. The other key thing to realize is a lot of the candidates that may be available to you today, because they are very high quality, you may look at them as being overqualified and maybe out of your reach as an employer. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that to the bank. I, I think you would do well for your business to consider hiring somebody that may be overqualified right now in this period of time and then try to help them as time goes on, even if it means help them move to another, lo- another company at another time. This is your chance to get talent that I don't think you have ever seen before. So it is a little bit of a talent land grab, and I think that's, that's my big thing for you. And then I also want to announce, we just made this decision two days ago, uh, and we have not, this is the first time I've announced it, but on July 13th, we're going to go to a one-hour mini job fair event, and it will be by Zoom. And as of yesterday, both Jackson Healthcare and Grady have both confirmed that they'll be a part of this. And what the employers like about it is you don't have to spend a lot of hours on this. We're going to limit this to one hour. 
And um, if you're interested in participating, I put down the email address, Karen Griggs, who's our administrator that um, can help you get connected with that. But short of that, I hope I'm giving you as an employer some fantastic news that there's some fantastic candidates that you can act on really now and uh, take advantage of. So that's what I, that's what I have for you today. And thanks for this opportunity. Thank you, Jay. Roswell United Methodist Church Job Networking has earned its position as the leading and most reputable job seeker program in North Fulton while providing emotional support and encouragement to those people who value the dignity of work. On behalf of the Greater North Fulton Chamber of Commerce and Roswell Inc., I want to express my deepest thanks to our amazing panelists. I appreciate the opportunity to act as moderator for such a program. While the distinguished panel has given us such informative and comprehensive information, I'm sure that we have questions from our attendees. Stacy, I'm turning it over to you for any questions. All right, great. Thank you, Felton, and thank you, panelists. I appreciate your insight and expertise. We had a couple of questions. Um, I know that um, this probably applies more to Jenny and to Jay. You were talking about job training and um, career services a lot of the job duties are going to be changing as people are working from home and, you know, employers allowing their employees to work from home. Have you seen any changes in your trainings on um, how to help employers and employees while they are trying to transition from working from home? Um, Yes, just briefly, I'll say that um, the digital skills gap and the digital divide is something that we've been working on for some time as a nationwide movement. Um, in partnership with Google and um, Facebook for Business, that, that both those organizations have recognized that through our footprint, both of uh, bricks and mortar um, job training programs and then our online presence, um, that we reach out to people who, who need that support. And we found both the general public and our own employees uh, needed to refresh those skills and to move up in levels, um, particularly now because um, it, it was the vehicle of choice for how to continue, continue to do business. And so we really put a concerted effort on multi-tiered um, training and assessments. So first knowing where people are, um, both through assessments and then demonstration of their skill, um, but also being able to um, bring them up a level or two in, in whatever was pertinent for their job or for their job search. Um, we have a technology careers program that takes folks from um, service industry jobs, you know, working in retail and food service um, to ending up working in uh, the IT industry with uh, companies like Accenture and, um, you know, Jackson Healthcare, um, Wellstar um, in the uh, healthcare IT space as well. Um, and, but those skills throughout any employer um, now um, who is considering adapting your business and adapting your talent pool uh, internally and, and acquiring folks um, the digital skills is one of the important things. And, and one of the things that we just are about to roll out is a loaner program for technology. Um, you know, we already had done it for our staff, but for the people that we serve, um, providing smartphones through the government programs, but providing tablets and laptops that um, they can use and then return to us um, when they're uh, able to get a job and, and purchase those things on their own. Yeah, I would, I would add to that uh, from a job search standpoint that the phone interview is pretty much dead. 
and the employers today because we're now all savvy. Just in three or four months, we've got savvy on using Zoom. And the ability to communicate in a live interview on Zoom is a skill set that the employers need some coaching on, frankly. But I can't help that. What we're focusing on is training the job seekers. So we recently had a uh, workshop on how to do an interview. And things as simple as making sure that you have proper lighting. And I'm not saying I'm, I've got everything correct here in my office. But if I was interviewing for a job, I would have a light in front of me. So my light, the light would shine on my face a little bit better instead of being in some dark room. I'd be aware of my surrounding. Do I have light coming this direction that keeps me from you know, being presented properly? Um, so there's a different skill set on both sides that we now need to be thinking about that helps you get that job. And, uh, so that would be my, my comment from a job search standpoint. Great. Thank you. Um, Matthew, I know you, uh, at Jackson healthcare, you all are hiring, uh, constantly. And can you give us some tips on hiring employees virtually? And I know we mentioned interviewing via zoom. Are there other, um, tips that you can give our attendees? Yeah, yeah, great question, Stacey. So yeah, I mean, a lot of it will probably echo what, what Jay said. I think the key thing is, is making that interview over Zoom is the same as an interview would be in, in person as much as possible. And so the key thing that we've been telling our managers is really, you know, sticking to the behavioral interviewing guides that we've been doing as an organization um, and really trying to make the interview as personable possible. Um, like Jay said, you know, making sure that at the interviewer, you're interviewing in a space where you know it's going to be quiet, um, where you're not going to have those interruptions. So we certainly encourage managers that were in the process of hiring, you know, if they were still um, telecommuting and, and at home to do the interview in a space where they knew their kids may run in or they would hear a dog in the bark barking. Because at the end of the day, that's the time also where the interview E is interviewing kind of the company to see if that's a good fit for them. And so I think it's just as important for us to be showing, um, you know, that professional display as it is for the person that's being um, interviewed. Great. Thank you. Well, um, I know Jay mentioned um, Roswell United Methodist Church Job Networking. Um, The Chamber also has a job board. It's called NorthFultonJobs.com. Anyone uh, here can post a job, and it's also a way to uh, find employees. We um, work with our partners on that, and um, Roswell UMC is one of our partners as well. So we are constantly updating the job boards, and um, hopefully you will have a chance to look at that to see if you are searching for employees. It's a great way to um, market your business and your um, openings. So, um, Steve, would you like to wrap us up? Absolutely. Um, First of all, thank you, Felton, for hosting um, and and keeping us on track. John Ray, Radio X, what can I say? Uh, You can always watch it after or listen to it afterwards on his uh, his podcast. So thank you. Uh, Matthew, a little plug for Jackson Healthcare. My oldest daughter works for you for two years. Loves it there. First day (laughs) back yesterday. Oh, awesome. She was doing that. Woo woo. So she was she was all excited when she called me on her way back home to Sandy Springs. She was really excited. Jenny, That's always good uh, to hear. I think I will I'm not certain, but my GMC Yukon has made 14 trips to Goodwill in Roswell on Mansell Road. So just just so you know it. Not not quite certain, but it might be 14 trips. Pandemic, clean closet is what my wife said. 
Uh, Jay Litton, all I can say is thank you, partner. You've been, we've been together a long, long stretch and we got a long stretch to go. Uh, you do great things at RUMC. I, I know it personally. So thank you for all you do. Stacy, again, thanks. Uh, give my regards uh, to our good friend and leader, uh, Callie Boatwright. And remember, it's always a great day to do business in Roswell, but it's always a great day to do business in North Fulton. And go do it, man. Thanks, guys. See ya.